Welcome to Box Up Banter, where we're back from the offseason. We had an offseason ourselves. Uh, my name is Chris Okamura. Joining me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? We're back. We've had three NBA seasons in a calendar year, officially, in October. Come October. insanity. I know. It's, it's uh, kind of crazy. But yeah, we had our own, uh, we had our own little offseason, but uh, we're back. We're refreshed. We're ready to go and uh, ready to tear the Eastern Conference because hopefully we don't have to talk the about West. or yeah the West. That's right. You got me mixed up. Uh, <laughs> you got me mixed up before we started recording. I yeah, have the so West. For, I have my so West the, tier list in front of me. <laughs> so for the for the record, I made a, an Eastern tier list. And Jordan made a Western tier list, and so I had to make a West one really quickly. But uh, you know we got, we're on the same page. We're see this is uh, hopefully. What, this is this is what training. This is our training camp, Jordan. We're, this is what training camp is for: is to get back in the groove. Even though we, even though we agreed to do the Western Conference first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, hey man, you you you're shedding the weight. You know what I'm saying? I I spent the all season. You know, I was in the. Did you I gain? Did you gain? Uh, did you gain ten to fifteen pounds like every other NBA player in the off season? Yeah, pretty much. Unless you're James Harden, in which case you gain. Somewhat thirty or forty pounds. <laughs> yeah, that it, well, that's that's a uh, that's forcing your way out of Houston, Harden, which I don't, <laughs> which I don't think we're going to uh, we're going to get this year. Uh, he had a there was a video that came out yesterday, by the way, of James Harden doing some work in the gym, and he was hitting some shots where I was like, man, if he took these in a game, I would be irritated. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's it well, it also kind of goes to show that it's. <clears throat> how crazy how crazy it is that James Harden is this skilled yeah because you know even in other players workout videos I don't see them t- making or taking those type of shots with regularity like he really is like a gifted offensive player and he looks in way he looks like he's gonna be back to durable in shape I'm gonna play 80 games a year James Harden this time around as opposed to being you know fat hearted and going to the club with little baby and all that stuff to you mean soft you mean soften soften sure so, sure soften i would i would say uh heft i would i called him in my, one of my videos hefty hearted um that's that's my preferred uh <laughs> choice of nickname but sure we'll go with that too but um we're not talking about the eastern Con- we'll do the eastern conference later and i really I guess we should real quickly. I don't know how, how much you want to uh, talk about this, but um, it's going to be looming over the season and it's going to come up a few times, but um, what is your, what has, <clears throat> I guess when, when you, I'm sure you've seen all the, um, basically all the anti-vax stuff that's been coming out from the NBA side of things. There was the Rolling Stone report of there's about 50 to 60 NBA players that are unvaccinated. That was the sourced reporting from Rolling Stone, I believe. There was some quotes from, we're talking about, you know, the coronavirus vaccine um, in relation to the league and its quote-unquote mandate, vaccine mandates and all that stuff. And that's not bringing in the fact that there's different local municipalities who have different rules compared to other places 
but um first started with Andrew Wiggins and that Andrew Wiggins oh my and, God. and his stance on on the vaccination um you know get trying to get an exemption he can't in San Francisco you cannot play in the Chase Center unless you have proof of vaccination there is no testing option to get into the venue you have to show proof of vaccination for events with more than a thousand people um in venues and it doesn't look like if based on quotes today it doesn't look like Andrew Wiggins is going to uh get this anytime soon he said he's gonna hold off as long as he can then there's Kyrie Irving then Jonathan Isaac had some fucking doozies of a yeah. quote Jonathan and Isaac were some of the stupidest quotes I've ever seen in my entire life I could kind of see why his teammates didn't go to his uh sermon as a rookie <laughs> yeah I'm telling if I, you remember when uh when uh you you remember that I don't know if you remember that video like his rookie year um he he did like a sermon or whatever, and he said during his sermon that he invited his teammates, all of his teammates and all that stuff, and none of them showed up. And I was just like, oh well, damn, that kind of uh, you know, su- I kind of I after these last two years, I kind of see why, but that's aside the point. Uh, what is your what has been your? <laughs> I don't even want to like ask you like what's your overall take on this because I think there's just much more layers to this, but. What, I'm, what I'm are you a, thinking I'm, as you're looking at all of this insanity? I'm with Kareem. I fully agree with Kareem of just like, bro, if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't be able to play. Yeah. It's really like that simple. It's really that fucking like, simple. Like, it's not like that hard. Like, if you, this is if what you don't I, want to get vaxxed, that's fine. Go, you're on playing. This, this, is what I, this is what I don't get with the vaccine mandate itself. I'm not even talking about the stance of vax or anti-vax, which I am fully for vaccinations. I personally think it's insanity that we do not listen to medical experts, but that's a topic for, I guess, not another day. It's all under this umbrella, but like just the stance of the vaccine mandate, it's not, they're not making you take the vaccine. They are saying that there are consequences yes. when you don't, if you don't get vaccinated, it's your job. It's part of your job now to get vaccinated. And if you don't, then you don't play, you lose money. Like it's really that simple. Schools have been requiring vaccines since the fucking 1960s. Um, <clears throat> or whenever they uh, did mandatory vaccines for like the flu and polio and all that. There's been vaccine mandates throughout the history of time. And it's like, what makes this one any special? Like to where people think that they don't need it, but also like the va- most of the vaccine mandates that have been implemented, it's been by corporations or employers. Like if you don't take the vaccine, you know, go find another job. Like that's, that's really what and I, this is. And again, like I, they need, they need like, Fuck, you get your flu shot? Like, they get a flu shot? They get, like, the fucking... The TV shots? Like, I don't understand, like, why this one in particular... It beca- it's because it's becoming so politicized, and, like, this is a whole other can of worms. But, like, fuck, dude, it's not that hard. It is. Really it not. isn't that hard. And then, you know, Kyrie did a his own Zoom meeting, Zoom media availability today because... Because, because, you know, the ironic part of it is he couldn't go to actual Nets media day because of health and safety protocol. And he basically said, like, it's a private decision. It's a private decision. 
It's not a private decision. It's public health. Like, you are a public-facing figure of a franchise, first of all. Also, the virus directly impacts your job and your coworker's job. It is a virus where you could get other people infected. It's a public health thing. It, so, inherently, it's not private. Like, and it's yeah, not... And, and stop shouting out HIPAA. Like, do... Like th- that's not yeah. HIPAA. <laughs> like, no, and, the, and we... the thing is, the thing again, he doesn't understand how HIPAA works. The the thing is that, and this gets back to the thing that we talked about once ago about like responsibility and like um, accountability, where it's a thing where it's like players. If you want to be stars, if you want to make all this money, if you want to be public figures and have the power of like influence, then you have to be. You have to take the responsibility of that as well. And this is part of that. Yes. And then if I, if I was in that position, I'm not going to – I would do the bare minimum, but I would still do the stuff that's rec- – because there's an inherent responsibility that comes with all this money and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like – People are looking up to you, man. Like – and in, in relation to the – in relation to the vaccine, it's like there's just so much – they you would really skip out on game checks because you went – to fucking WebMD or YouTube or YouTube State University and, you know, decided to go down a rabbit hole of BS. Like, one of the theories that was being peddled around uh, from the unvaccinated players in the Rolling Stone article was, you know, getting injected and they somehow track you. It was basically some version of the chip story, which is so... It, that is so fucking insane. <laughs> the chip, the chip stuff's the worst stuff. It's the, like, okay, it is. Hey, it is. Hey, if you if you have medical concerns, like hey, if you just don't want to get it because you think it's gonna make you sick, or like you you know, if you have medical concerns about the vaccine, I totally get it. And hey, it's up to you if you want to go ahead and get that or not. If you're not getting the vaccine because you're afraid the government's chipping your ass, then you're a fucking moron. Because you know why? You're telling people this on your cell phone. <laughs> it's. Uh, it it's honest it's honestly just it's mind-numbingly stupid like these last honestly like these last few years it's just it's been incredible just to see the lowest common denominator of stupidity just come to the forefront so consistently when it comes to how we've been dealing with humanity at a basic level like we're in a pandemic. Nope, we're not going to think the virus is real. Nope, we're not going to believe in this vaccine. That is where numbers show exponentially that it is exponentially more effective than not getting the vaccine, which, duh, that's common sense. But also, like with Bradley Beal's quote today, it just keeps it just keeps the cycle of ignorance going. He asked because he's one of the unvaccinated players, and he said, you know, if if uh to i would ask he said quote i would ask all the people getting vaccinated why y'all still getting covid and it's like does nobody does nobody actually what do where do people get their stats from because there is you could go to the new york times you could go to the la times you could go to medical journals like all of the recent surge in covid cases across this country which is insane the cdc just reported that all counties in michigan 
are at a maximum dangerous level of COVID transmission. Like that's the level that they're at. Every single county in one state. This is how bad it's getting in the country. All the recent the recent surge in COVID cases have mostly been among the unvaccinated. Like th- this is a simple correlation. This isn't political or anything. I shouldn't even have to preface my shit with this isn't political. This shouldn't be a politicizing thing. And it is unfortunately seeped into the NBA. And, you know, the teams are going to be out. Their seasons could be maybe torpedoed because of this. One contender we'll talk about later on, you know, the Warriors, like with Andrew Wiggins, like that stuff like this is going to impact the team. And it's just, it's incredibly frustrating. Like the, the, the chances of a vaccinated person getting a breakthrough case is one in 5,000. Like no one said vaccines were the cure. Vaccines have never been a cure. Like they're supposed to strengthen up your immune system so you can get used to the virus. So your body can be better off fighting it. This is what the basic term of vaccine is. It's been mm-hmm. around for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden we're qu- I, our, I'm sorry, our country's doomed, but that's another topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, again, I think we're on the same page here of like people are morons and they need to stop, but it's going to affect the season in some way. And that's unfortunate. It, yeah, it is. But uh, that's I, I don't I don't want to turn this into a 40 minute fireball of me getting annoyed and mad at the state of our country and the state of our intelligence as a society. But uh <laughs> I don't know what more you have to add to it, but no, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm stop. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop there. But I'm with you 100. percent And I think, like again, you this is why Jordan. I think this is why we get along. So it's not you know I'm with you. It's just there's nothing else to add. People are just dumb. Yeah, it's like, um, it, like there really is. There really is. Like I will I will say just adding one more thing. Like it's it's more of just like a. And look, I'm I'm a hypocrite in life. Like there are some, I have made some selfish decisions for myself and stuff like that. We all have at some point in our lives as we grow up. But like, this is like a simple, like the simple basic things, I guess, is what astounds me about what I have observed from how we have reacted as a world in the last, what, three, four, five years. Like Mm -hmm. the basic level of like, hey. Let's pull together in one direction and end this. Like, we could have ended this shit. Like, relatively, like, we could have been, what was it? Uh, we could have been like New Zealand, where they basically, they they took every type of COVID protocol and shut everything yep. da- down. They had one case, I believe, over the summer, and they just went, nope, we're back down to lockdown. <laughs> and guess what? Mm-hmm. They haven't had COVID cases. Hmm, I wonder why that is. And like, yet yeah, we don't, us, the big bad USA, we don't have the resources to do that, to imitate that, please. Like we have, we have the resources. We don't have the intelligence to do that. Nope. We don't have the collective, the collective minds. Oh my God. Yeah. See, this is what, this is why I'm glad, uh, this is why I'm glad we're podcast partners. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I, you get what I'm saying. It's just like, I'm just I was just, you know, waiting for media day and I was just like, all right, man, I'm going to have to because I couldn't sleep uh, last night. I have an overnight shift. So I decided to stay up today and wait for Sixers media day and all the all the other media days. And I was just like, all right, let's see what shit storms coming up today. And today, today didn't disappoint for sure. 
But uh, do you want to go and rank the Western Conference already? Yeah. So do you want to start? With, I feel like the top is pretty straightforward. I feel I feel like the West is really straightforward in general. I, I actually in like twenty seconds. I actually have a lot more questions about the West. Okay. Than a lot of people do, and I okay. have a feeling our tiers might be different. Um. So but I, I I'll let you go first. Do we, do we want to go through the tiers first, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about them, or do we want to reveal the tiers little by little here? Okay. Well, oh no. Let's let's uh let's set the table with the tiers first. Okay. Uh, so I have I have a I have a top tier clear contender. I have a I have a secondary contender. I have secondary contenders. I have sort of like on the outside looking in for contenders. I have our playoff teams. I have our playoff bubble teams, and then I have the rest. Okay, so my tiers, I have the contenders. I have tier two contenders with a question mark. So, like, yeah. contenders who have, you know, different yeah. types of, yeah. Uh, sure. Tier three, one or two pieces, is the one or two pieces away team. Uh, tier four is the play-in teams. Um, tier five are the play-in game hunting teams. And yeah. then I have tier six, their lottery hunting teams. Okay, so we've 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 the same tiers pretty much. Yeah, 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 pretty much more or less. Um, yeah, but uh, let's uh, you know, I'll I'll go first. I'll I'll go first with my tier one. So okay. tier ones, clear cut contenders. The teams that the contenders I have the least questions about. Some questions, but not. But the least amount of questions going into the season. I have the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz in tier one by themselves. Okay. And I'm going to explain the rationale for that. Um, Obviously, you know, there are some teams omitted from this list. But um, I did a podcast about a month ago on the Sly Hooper podcast with uh, one of my you know blue wire hustle teammates uh brian scott he's been a physical he's been a physical therapist a sports therapist he's been in sports medicine for almost two decades and we talked about the injuries from the bubble lingering into last season and how it's going to linger into this season because we just saw an ungodly amount of injuries and i just question the health of the western conference in general that's mainly my main source of concern because there's going to be some big stars out, namely Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard. Um, how is Clay Thompson going to look when he comes back? And with the Suns and the Jazz, I see well, with the Suns first, I see continuity. Um, Chris Paul is back. There is obviously a question with is Chris Paul just is Chris Paul going to have, uh, you know, the Max Kellerman. Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff and it's going to be a quick decline and not a steady decline. Um, but, you know, Devin Booker gets better every year. I think DeAndre Ayton finally morphed into the player that this team needs, um, especially as the playoffs rounded around. Um, I do have some questions about, like, can Mikel Bridges continue to improve his three-point shooting I know he shot 40 percent from three in the regular season but he shot 35 in the playoffs and I felt like if he wasn't in the corner his three-point shot wasn't as effective um I like development is never linear right and so I do have some questions about some of the Suns young guys developing but as terms of their big three 
Um, it's still there. The infrastructure is still there. I have concerns about them not getting another creator beyond CP and Devin Booker, but they kept their team intact. I think their two main core young players are going to get better. And I think the taste of the playoffs and the finals will give this team the much needed confidence and swagger that a contender needs as they are going through the maturation process. The jazz, I think it's, more of the same thing i i like the rudy gay pickup a lot i think the jazz will be able to actually go to more small ball lineups in a cleaner way now um they don't have Derek favors anymore you know backing up rudy gobert but i but i think that's actually one of the reasons why the jazz weren't effective um they just didn't have enough lineup versatility to go to they kept their main guys together i the only question i have questions i have obviously is it's not so much with Rudy Gobert's defense in the playoffs, though I think that could be a problem at times. I think it's mainly the offense. If you're just allowing people to switch their six five guard onto your seven foot two center without any yeah. punishment whatsoever, I think that's awful. And Mike Conley's health. He's been unhealthy at the most inopportune times and but he was one of the Jazz's best players last year. But Mike Conley's an older point guard and I think the can the Jazz keep Mike Conley upright to the playoffs but I think Donovan Mitchell is going to take a leap the Jazz have their core locked in I think actually I think low-key this might these next two years might be make or break for the Jazz um oh I think I think this honest to be honest I thought last year was the Jazz best opportunity to make the finals and to win the finals and I don't I I think that their window is closing very very quickly yeah, that uh, I yeah, it's it's closing for sure. Um, but I I want to see I do want to see if Donovan Mitchell can make the leap into superstardom to where some of the Jazz's other questions aren't that much of a concern for me because yeah. um, star players can cover a lot of stuff up. But in terms yeah. of continuity, familiarity, winning a lot of regular season games to lock yourself into an advantageous seating position to make it to the finals i like these two teams by themselves yeah so i have them both in my secondary contender tier no i wonder who's in your tier one (laughs) so look um i know i know it sounds like a huge homer thing right my tier one is just Mm -hmm. the lakers and it comes down to a thing where i think if help like if if healthy i think the lakers run through and repeat that last year if fully healthy but obviously they weren't i think that's a concern i think lebron coming back with a chip on his shoulder again i think the russell westbrook coming in they won with rondo so the non-shooting non-spacing thing doesn't give me as much concern and plus there's more shooting on this team than they when they won in the bubble rondo has been a much better shooter than westbrook now like and not and defenses no, I, have guarded Rondo much, way closer in the playoffs than they have Westbrook. I'm just saying, like, people have better, dared Russ much, to shoot, like, a lot in the playoffs. Yes, but also, they've dared Rondo to shoot, too. It's not like, we're not making... Not it's to not that like extent. Dude, it's not like I'm comparing, you know, fucking Shaq to Ray Allen here. Like, it's not... They're... they're, they're there's enough... To me, there's enough more... There's enough, like, trade-offs with Westbrook's athleticism and activity more to like offset the differences between Rondo's shortcomings. Like you know what I'm saying? Like there's enough trade off where it I don't see it as too much of a drop off. 
And then there's like the, the shooting. And the problem that we had with last year's team was, especially in the playoffs, they got scared to shoot. And that Sun series, people were passing up wide open shots. The now we got guys that there's no fucking way Mello or Malik Monk are passing up wide open shots. No, you're yeah. And so, like to me, it it I don't think I think this team is better suited to to. To, to the way that the, the game, play, the playoffs went last year, I think that this team is better suited for better situations like that. And, and again, it all comes down to LeBron and AD's health, right? And that's obviously the big, huge question mark. And, like, yeah, if they're if they're fully healthy, they're by far my favorite to win the championship. Or to, and to, or to at least get out of the finals, right? Or to get to the finals and to get out of the West. Um. My second tier, I have the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the and the I have the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets. So Suns and Jazz for the same reasons that you do. The only reason why I don't put the Jazz in that upper contention is because I don't see Donovan Mitchell taking that second jump. I just don't think he's that guy. I think we've seen what he is, and he'll get a little better, but I don't see him taking that like elite level jump. I think he's just going to be a really good All Star level player for his entire career. I don't think he's going to be an elite guy. Um. Okay. <clears throat> this I have some concerns about depth and like again like the 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 playmaker stuff when Chris Paul or Devin Booker has to sit or they get into foul trouble concerns me. I do like the JaVale McGee pickup to just add another big body and something that's athletic that can help keep up. I do like that a lot, but I just have them cuz again, I think that if the Lakers were healthy, I think last year's team beats the Suns if healthy. But again, not healthy. Not pro- like you know. Again, we're, yeah, it's all I agree with that. Ifs, right? So again, so that's why I put the Lakers ahead, and I don't think that they're. I don't think the Suns are in that same area. But again, like I think that they could easily get there if we see Booker take that jump. I think Booker can take that jump, right? Um, I put the Nuggets in here as well, just because I think that with Jamal Murray, there was a stretch where they they were getting used to playing with Aaron Gordon. And Jamal Murray was healthy, and they're kind it was of was immediate too. Right after the trade yeah, deadline, like they were rolling they were for a clicking. minute, and then, and then Jamal Murray gets hurt and goes down, and then everything kind of falls apart from there. But I think, I think we're going to see another level from Michael Porter Jr. this year. And I just I think signed he, his max extension today. He did, and I think that uh, for him it was a little awkward with Aaron Gordon coming in into the, in the middle of the season and him trying to. Michael Porzino looked like he had some trouble finding his spots and finding where he fits in with this offense. And I think that given a full off season, given a full training camp with everyone healthy, I think they're in this mix as well. So I put them in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the nuggets in this tier as well. Yeah. So the, again, so these are, those are like my three second tier teams. Okay. So I'm going to address the, uh, the Lakers first. Um, so you, I'm guessing you have them here, right? Yeah, I have the Lakers here with the uh, tier two. No, I have them in tier four, actually. The play. Oh, no. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I have the Lakers. The Lakers are actually at the top of the list in terms of tier two contenders with a question mark. And I actually have a few questions. Or I have actually quite a bit of questions with the Lakers. Um, the Lakers are going to be in the contender status because they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Let's just get that out of the way. I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. Um, I have you know, two top ten players is going to make them contenders. I know what shocker. Um, but uh, I do have questions about 
the rust fit obviously uh, that's my everyone does. The, i think you're that's, crazy if you don't. yeah that's yeah that's 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 chief concern number one um i just wonder i was reading the i was reading the athletic piece this morning that was dropped by a Lakers B writer Bill Oram, uh, Sham Sarania. There was one other. Per- oh, Sam Amick was on the story as well. And they detailed how the Lakers led up the process, the months leading up to trading for Russell Westbrook and all that stuff. And there was a part in there where it was like, you know, sources say, you know, LeBron and Westbrook met and they talked, they looked at film and talked about what was needed to make each other better. And the word used was sacrifice buzzword and all this stuff. And it's all stuff we've heard from, from Russ's side before reporting surrounding Russ. He's willing to cut off ball more. He's willing to be an off ball shooter more, all this other stuff. And it never, ever materializes. Like it's been like seven years now of this running, going back to his OKC days with Durant. Um, I do think there's value in Russell Westbrook being another ball handler to take the load off LeBron, especially over the course of a regular season. But I just think come playoffs, um, teams are going to be sagging off of Russell Westbrook. I know LeBron and AD are decent three-point shooters, but are teams really going to be scared and you know go out to the three-point line as opposed to allowing them to get to the basket? I would rather just take my chances there. I also have questioned the Lakers have made their bones the last two years being an elite defense and I have major concerns about the defensive side of the ball because Westbrook has been a bad defensive player for like the last five or six years always thought he's been overrated as a defender but at least he was big active especially at the point of attack he could at least buckle down and lock somebody down um but he's always been an erratic off-ball defender takes way too many gambles and just has no interest in rotations or help defense or he'll do the thing. This is my favorite Westbrook thing. He'll space out, walk towards the basket as the shot is going up because he wants to get his rebound, but then wants to, or wants to get his rebound. And then the guy that he was supposed to box out, will just sneak in behind him and get an offensive rebound. And then he'll look at everybody be like, guys, what the hell who boxed him out? And it's like, that's your guy, dude. Um, I just have I have a lot of concerns about the rust fit. Two, we saw LeBron. These are two out of the last three years now, and I know they're kind of freak injuries, but eventually we're going to have to start questioning. And look, LeBron's incredible. I wouldn't put anything past him, but we're like getting to year – this is year 19 for LeBron, and he had a really bad ankle sprain, and I know Solomon Thomas just dived into his ankles, but – basketball has injuries like that all the time and LeBron's been lucky avoiding them and I just wonder with his age and what the Lakers need him to do maybe Westbrook takes the load off will he be healthy and then also same with Anthony Davis but also my last question is AD willing to play center more because if that starting if if that starting lineup has one of Dwight Howard or um, who is the other? Who is the other? Uh, yeah, De- or DeAndre Jordan starts in that lineup. That Lakers starting five's offense is going to be so clunky and so bad. That offensive rating is going to be like a one hundred. Um, so, then, so we we are getting reports that AD is going to play the five. Yeah, like I d- I did see that in the athletic report too, but I have to see it to believe it. 
That's fair. Yeah. I think my cons- my thing with the rust fit, just to like give a little bit of a rebuttal. I think I have the same concerns. My thing with rust. <laughs> you is, said you would. You said you wouldn't have rust on your team, <laughs> and now he's I, on your team. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I still I still like Russ as a like. I'm a fan of Russell Westbrook. Same. I don't. Like, I don't like him as a player, but like I'm a fan of Russell Westbrook. And the thing to me, and it's the thing that the Lakers have lacked almost every year, is energy coming out in a game. They start so slow. You've watched enough Lakers games, you know. They oh, yeah. start slow. They get down 10 in the first quarter every game. Oh, yeah. Russ will bring that. Va- I'm, I'm not questioning the regular Russ season value. Happen, man. I'm like, not questioning the regular happen. season value Russ will bring. Not questioning that. And so to me, that's valuable enough to like at least lighten the load and like, hey, we don't have to. LeBron and AD shouldn't be playing these fourth quarters against the fucking Hornets, right? Yeah. But they have yeah. to because they're coming back from a twenty point deficit that we gave up in the first half, right? That like to me, mm-hmm. that's that's value added on its own. And like we've seen, I at this point, I trust Frank Vogel to make rotations in the playoffs to where we're gonna be okay. And to me, I. I have a lot of faith in him as a defensive coach, to be honest. And, like, he's proven that everywhere he's gone, that he can get people to play defense and rotate and change attitudes for people. And, like, I don't have any doubts that he'll be able to do that to a certain extent. I fully expect our defense to drop off. But I this is this is the most offensively packed team that we've had since LeBron's been a Laker. I'm just wondering also if Anthony Davis plays the center, like – how the injury what, concerns? Not yeah. the injury concerns, but what's the starting lineup going to be? Because I like I know what the projected starting lineup's going to be. It's probably going to be Russ. Um, let's see. Uh, Russ, T, Mello, uh, LeBron, AD, I would assume. Or I saw Russ, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, LeBron, and Anthony Davis because of the shooting and there's, stuff. But the there's, option- no, there's no way... THT doesn't start. Given given Vogel's comments in the media the past like couple weeks, there's no way in my mind THT doesn't start. Uh, I guess we'll have because I do still question is THC going to be able to THT going to be able to provide enough spacing too? Like yeah. this is the, this is my chief concern with no, everything. He's been, he's been working. He's been working with Lethal Shooter, man. Have you oh seen my. the video? Yeah, I've been seeing all I've been seeing all those Ben Simmons videos for the fourth straight fucking summer. Yeah, I've I've heard of Lethal Shooter. Lethal Shooter is the shit. That guy that guy does work. No, did, you, uh, okay. did THT you know shoot at a rim with a bunch of nails around it? Did he do that with him? Like, so so yeah, Vogel Vogel's been very vocal. The last Vogel's been vocal the last couple of weeks about. Uh, THT's impact defensively and the impact that he wants to have defensively and, and the improved shot profile that he's had. So again, like the, the, the praise that Vogel is throwing onto THT again, it could be him doing a the training a camp. Show. Everybody's yeah. happy preseason hype. I, I, I do not think I like THT as a player, by the way. So do I, I love him. The, I don't think that there's any way he doesn't start. Just given the amount of attention that they're drawing to him this early, he'll be in an elevated role for sure. Like a, he'll be a major minutes rotation guy at the very least. Yeah, I just would. I wouldn't start THT personally. Yeah, 
I mean, it, the spacing would be atrocious. But it, again, I don't see any way, just given the way that Vogel talks about him and given the way that Vogel um, has been like very, very vocal about his improvements, I there's no way in my mind that he doesn't start. But again, I, I could be we'll wrong. Right? The, he's definitely going to be a, he's definitely a, I think he's going to be a major, he's going to be a major part of that team. Definitely. I All, think to me, to me, the the bigger kind of battle is minutes between Wayne Ellington and Monk is going to be the kind of battle to me at the guard position. I would rather, I hope, I would hope Monk wins that battle out. He was, yeah. he, he finally showed some stuff in Charlotte last year. I've been a big Malik. I was a Malik Monk guy uh, when he was uh, coming out of college with a deer and Fox out of Kentucky. And yeah. I like his movement shooting. I like that he can handle a little bit. And I also like that he's athletic, like way more athletic than, you know, most players, especially for his size. Uh, yeah. I was definitely like pissed when the Lakers got him for the minimum because I was hoping the Sixers would get him because that's like the type of player we need. But, you know, the 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 glitz and glamour of L.A. And, you know, I would I would take the minimum to live in L.A. and, you know, if those if those were my my last remaining options, I would take the minimum to live in L.A. and play with LeBron and all AD and Russ. So I guess I can't blame him too much. Um, that's the other thing too. Last thing about the Lakers, um, this is a whole new team, and so I just wonder how that's all going to coalesce. And the Lakers might be a fourth or a third. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like a fourth seed, like trying yeah. to figure this stuff out. Fair. To be fair, too, the the year they won the chip and they were, like, the best team in the West all year, that even before COVID, like, that that team was also a brand-new team. Yes, it, but also that team made a lot more sense roster-wise, too. Yeah. I think more so than this one. Um, I do think that with all the guards you guys signed, you know, getting Kendrick Nunn, getting Malik Monk, Melo coming off the – bench he he's not a guard but just the pickups you guys got you guys added a lot more shooting around the big three that kind of alleviates it alleviates my concerns a little bit because before all that like I was like how is this going to work we'll see how the roster shakes out but I just I still have my questions but at the end of the day the Lakers are still at the top of this tier um yeah to me to me it's a thing where like again it's the thing where they got guys that aren't afraid to take shots there's no one on this team that's going to pass up an open shot. Yeah. And it's, and it, that was the problem last year where in the playoffs, especially like Russo, K, KCP, like everyone was just passing up wide open shots to get the ball to LeBron. And it's like, dude, you can't, LeBron's creating this opportunity for you. Like you got to shoot it. The only one that was willing to shoot was fucking Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Right. R- right. Um, so the other team, that I have in this list, I have four teams, uh, or actually I have two teams in this tier, my tier two. So I have the Lakers, the Nuggets, where where we agree there. I have the Clippers and the Warriors in this tier two. And also in the second tier. Yes, I do. Okay. I have the contenders with a question mark because I think the West is really wide open. I think teams have injury questions and, by the end of the playoffs, I think it's going to be a lot more wide open than people realize. Um, look, I know the Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard. 
but they still have Paul George. They still have Ty Lue. Um, they still they have young guys that they got you know in the later rounds of the draft that I feel comfortable you know taking the next step. Guys like Terrence Mann. I actually think it's funny. B.J. Boston was a uh, getting you know destroyed pre-draft this past summer but in summer league he looks a lot better in a different setting i i will just uh say that um obviously the big question mark is Kawhi leonard but i still think the clippers have a good enough team i'm still a justice winslow stockholder i'm never gonna hold i have diamond hands with my justice winslow stock i think this is a great chance for him to take advantage of the situation of the fact that Kawhi Leonard is probably going to be out for the season. Um, But I think all these contenders, they don't have their second star or their main star. And I think that levels out the playing field. And I think the Clippers have a good enough team, a good enough infrastructure, and they still have a top 15 to 17-ish player who – Finally, you know, I don't even want to say exercise, but, you know, he finally had some great games in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, Paul George. And I actually think, you know, every year people will be like, you you know that how the discourse goes on the internet every year it's yeah. like i have yeah, my yeah. i have my dark horse candidates and everybody picks the same fucking dark horse candidate for whatever award they want to talk about whether it's mvp defensive player of the year the mvp everybody's dark horse candidates this year the the dark horse du jour if you will everybody loves jason tatum and everybody loves luka doncic if you want a real dark horse candidate and i'm not saying he's going to win it but if you actually want a dark horse candidate, because for me a dark horse is like somebody who comes out of nowhere, yeah. rides on a very dark horse out of the black dimensions of hell, just the shadow realm, just riding out of there with a dark horse and passing everybody. I think Paul George is a dark horse MVP candidate. Okay. And I know that sounds insane, but if you look at the layout of the Western Conference – how there's not really a clear-cut contender, although I put the Suns and Jazz kind of in their own tier. Those teams can be had in a series. But you look at the Lakers, they have I think they have questions. The Suns, or the Nuggets, they have questions. The Warriors, who I have in this tier, who I'll talk about in a second, they have questions. Man, yeah, the Warriors so high. I am high on the Warriors. I am very high on the Warriors. Um, I think the Clippers are ripe to win a lot of regular season games. And since Paul George knows that a lot of stuff's going to be run through him, you get some internal development from, you know, Terrence Mann, maybe BJ, maybe BJ Boston gets into the rotation a little bit. Um, Reggie Jackson, you know, builds off of his playoffs. Luke Kennard. Hey, Reggie Jackson was really good last year. (laughs) Not even it's just really funny, though. It's yeah. Funny. It, 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 considering where he was a few years ago, it was really it, – it is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, you know, towards the end of the regular season and heading into the playoffs, Reggie Jackson was good. Luke Kennard was crucial in playoff games after riding the pine all year. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, I, I would not recommend anybody on their team 
you know, have Eric Bledsoe on their roster, but it is what it is. I like all the other <laughs> Clippers players more. I just I I like that they have a good good they have a good great player, a good coach, and they have a lot of the same players back, even though they don't have Kawhi Leonard. So I have the Clippers in there as well. Um, Warriors. I mean, I've t- I've talked about it a lot. I I recognize that this Warriors pick they're at the bottom of the list in my tier two. This is definitely a high upside pick because a lot of their you know signings that I liked over the off season they have to pan out. Otto Porter Jr. has to stay healthy. Um, can Andre Iguodala squeeze a little bit more out of the tank? Can uh, Nemanja Bjelica, who I really like, I actually think he's going to be a crucial pickup for the Warriors. I like him a lot. He's he he um can you know can he integrate himself well um uh, are the war which rook uh warriors lottery pick is going to you know break out and be a part of the rotation is it wiseman is it moody is it kaminga there's a lot of questions but at kaminga the end of the guy we can talk about this <laughs> yep um uh, but i am just high on stephen curry and draymond yeah. green and clay thompson like Defensively, we have concerns about Clay. All legitimate. Well, I have the same concerns. Clay's looking like not he's not gonna be back till February. Yeah, that's going to be that is going to be an issue. And also we oh, talked okay. about Andrew Wiggins anti vax status, yeah. his anti vax stance. <laughs> oh my god. Is going to, you know, be a monkey wrench in things. But I Yo, think you you have a young, better Andrew Wiggins on your bench. You have Jonathan Kaminga. Okay, let's not go that far. <laughs> Put the boy in. <laughs> Kaminga actually is probably going to be getting some. He's definitely going to be getting some minutes uh, early on in the year if Andrew Wiggins decides to uh, run up and down and dunk. Yeah. Um, I actually and also I actually think Moses Moody's going to have the most Tyrese Halliburton esque type of uh, rookie year. Yeah. He's going to be ready to play. His skill set fits exactly what they need. You just need to shoot open shots, attack closeouts, make plays, and just, you know, yeah. be a guard off of, you know, Stephen Clay. But I really love this Warriors team. And even when Clay comes back, there's just going to be more shooting around Stephen Draymond, which the Warriors haven't really had the last two years. They've had some good shooters, but they're standstill. Ken Bazemore's in the corner hanging out. Michael Mulder, nobody even knows who the fuck Michael Mulder is, right? Who's listening to this podcast? Um, Eric Paschal. Eric Paschal taking bullshit mid-range jumpers. <laughs> like, it, it, like, the Warriors just have a better roster and tertiary players. Juan Toscano Anderson's back. There were some gems, like Juan Toscano Anderson, Jordan Poole emerged after he was gone for a month in the G League bubble and came back and was a beast scoring off the bench. Andrew Wiggins turned himself into a good player for the Warriors. He was good for the Warriors last year. I know he sucked most of his career, but last year he was good. And he started it's, bad, but he's, he, he ramped up. Yeah, he started bet, but it was like for a week, a week and a half. Like the, that whole Warriors team started bet. They were getting blown out on Christmas Day in Milwaukee yeah. and stuff like that. Whole Warriors team was bad, but you know now it's probably going to be torpedoed because he's not going to be with the team. But I'm, I'm. This is this is definitely a high upside pick, but I like the Warriors. Okay, that's fair. I have the I have the Warriors in my tier four, uh, top of my tier four. Tier uh, four. That's the play in. 
No, I, I have them as a playoff team. Oh, like a, oh yeah, like, right, 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 like right. A, I forgot. Yeah, like a like a like a five through eight seed. Okay, okay. Um, but so, like you know, so so my my tier three includes the Clippers and Mavs. Okay, I have um, the I have the Mavericks here. Yeah, so I have my Mavs. I have Clippers, Mavs in this area. I I would put the Clippers in tier two if Kawhi was healthy. He's not, so I put them in tier three. I just I'm not as high on them as you are. Um, but I, I still think they're going to be a solid contender and they could play spoiler to one of the top teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see them. I don't see them coming out of the West and even I, I can see them causing chaos in the West. I don't see them coming out of the West. And even if they make it out of the West, I don't see them beating any of the Eastern contenders, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's um, fair. I mean, I have a uh, spoiler alert for the next pod, but I have the Brooklyn Nets are my undisputed title favorite. Yeah. So do same. <laughs> I th- I think if we don't get Lakers Nets something went wrong and like, yeah. at least in my mind so the so yeah I have the Clippers in tier three here and then the, my Mavericks thing my Mavs are so weird because Mavs I put them here because I can see them in tier two I can see them in tier four it just all depends on a health of health and and uh, status of Luka Doncic and where he's at for this year and so if he if he comes in a little overweight or if he worked off in the off season if he you know what? What? Where? What leap does he take? And then also, what's up with Christoph Porzingis? Do we see bubble Porzingis, where he looked hot and he looked like he? What's up got with Christoph Porzingis? He stinks. <laughs> I, I still have a lot of faith in Christoph Porzingis because no, I do. I, I I I do think there's some talent there, but I'm I'm losing faith. Of, I'm losing faith. There's a lot of talent. It just looks like a lack of. Lack of effort is the wrong word. Lack of he's been injured. Care. He doesn't look. He yeah. doesn't look the same. Like he's had too he's, many lower extremity injuries, and half and like seventy percent of his body is all legs. So yeah, it's it, again. Lack of effort is the wrong word, but it looks like he's he has trouble moving up and down the court. Like, he's just not the same like player. He's not moving, and it's like, well, I don't know if he's not moving because he doesn't want to move or because he can't. Yeah, and so. You know, these are kind of my questions, but again, I have a lot of faith in him. And if he comes out at least a little bit and provides a little bit of support for Luca here, I think that they can do a lot of work. Um, and so I, you know, I again, I have them in this tier. I I could see them playing spoiler to any one of these teams above them. I could see them getting out and losing to the Nets. Like it's you know all you know whatever it is. Um, but I have them in this upper tier, and then I have the Warriors in tier four for all the reasons you listed. I just don't. I have the Clay missing half the year still concerns me and like is he gonna be able to ramp up in time he hasn't played in over two years at this point yeah um that's you know this is a huge concern to me uh the i i'm i think last year's step was on a tear that i don't know if again steph's gonna be good no matter what but i don't know if he's gonna be that good yeah, he, he he might he might be a top seven MVP finish instead of top yeah. three. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying though. Like he was on a different level last year. Than yeah, he reached. No, I I get what you're saying because he reached he reached some peaks of his unanimous MVP season, which he, was the best offensive like, season like, ever. He reached like shooting Nirvana, where he could just throw the ball up. And it, just, it, like, but you know, he now he might just average like. 30 points a game instead of 33, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, who knows at the, at this point it's, it's, uh, yeah, who knows? I, to me again, I, I just have concerns about the warriors and the depth and like, 
I'm not. I don't know if James Wiseman's going to come back uh, more confident this year. I hope he does because I think that he, a more confident James Wiseman would be a better James Wiseman. Um, but he needs know, to play. Like that's the he, main thing. Yeah, he also needs to work on his hands. Please, I um, yeah, he does. <laughs> he needs to like lotion up and lather up his hands every day. Like those things need to be squishy and like you know a little harder, a little softer to, to grab balls. But um, anyway. The wow, yeah, yeah, that went that went somewhere I didn't expect it to go. Anyway, but I have them <laughs> in tier four. I have them in tier four as a solid playoff team. I don't have them beating, like I don't think they can beat the Lakers, Jazz, Nuggets, Suns, uh, or the or even even the even the Clippers. I don't think I you know I have them in tier four because of that reason. I see I see them as a, a as a bottom tier playoff team. Um, I I don't they're gonna make the playoffs. I just don't know. I don't see them in the upper echelon of that group. Um, okay. Um, so in tier three, I have the Mavericks and the Blazers. Um, so that oh, kind of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So wait, you had the, you had the Warriors in tier, in tier two. Yeah. I said that. Oh my, yeah, yeah. Okay. My, my top eight, my, the, the Mavericks and Blazers round out my top eight. Yeah, you are a crazy person. <laughs> and I, I, it's a if they were, if I was betting on this team in Vegas, I would be, I would push all my chips in the table, baby, and put them all in the middle. <laughs> like this is my high upside. This is my high upside. I'm five drinks in, and everybody around me is hyping me up at the roulette table. I'm just pushing everything, <laughs> in on the yeah. Warriors. I, I just think Steph's that. I just think Steph's that amazing, That's and I fair. think the better. I think there's better shooting and better players around him this time, because um, he really yeah, he really had to operate in a phone booth. Like I'm sure you saw you saw the countless screenshots of people like four people will just be hoarded around Steph at the half court line at some yeah. points. Like he just has more options, I think, to you know spray the ball around and stuff like that. Even if Clay takes a bit to come back, but I think when Clay comes back, I think that spacing is. That's the one thing that I I'm not questioning when Clay comes back from injury. Like he's going to garner the spacing that an or he's going to garner the defensive attention that the second greatest shooter of all time yeah. warrants. And the gravity, the gravity itself is going to help. But again, my I'm just concerned of like how long that's going to take to work out, and like again whether or not that's fair. Reach the level at which he let he reached last year to like carry them across. But the that's fair. The but again, like I have them as a solid playoff team. I just don't have them in the upper tier there. But, but. as far as the Mavericks go, um, <laughs> Zach Lowe is kind of onto this. Um, he d- he thinks there's a non-zero percent chance that the Mavs don't find their way to the finals. Like he thinks there's like a non-zero percent chance that the Mavs could make it, and it's because of Luka Doncic. Like he's that good. Like yeah. he's that good. Like there's really nothing else to say about like he he dominated the olympics he looks to be in shape this time around and god help us all if because you know as the season went along the Doncic improved as a three-point shooter i think he shot like 37 38 percent um as the season was closing um over the last you know where he shoots best right what he shoot he shoot he shoots his best percentage from three in staple center Hashtag future Laker. Oh Continue. <laughs> Chris is firing up the Photoshop jersey right now. Uh, my only concern is 
One, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis is the same player as he was in New York. Uh, one of my one of my most watched videos on my YouTube channel way back was when the Mavericks traded for Porzingis, and I proclaimed them the next deadly duo of the NBA because I was that high on them. Yeah, but the injuries, he just doesn't move the same. The shot blocking isn't the same. He's not a good enough post player to throw the ball down to a lot. Um. Man, if they don't if, get along, if Kristaps was able to develop any kind of post game, he would be deadly. Yeah, um, but uh, he's not that good at it. But he wants the ball in the post. He made some passive aggressive comments like, "I guess I'm just a stretch big now," and all this stuff. Like he still thinks he's the star of the team, but clearly he's not. It's Lucas' team. But also, Jason Kidd sucks as a head coach. Like that is my main question with the Mavs. If the if the Mavericks had a player that was ten percent less, that was ten percent worse than Luca, I wouldn't have the Mavericks anywhere near this tier, like tier three, because I think Jason Kidd's a terrible coach. I think he's terrible in terms of interacting with players and working with other people in the organization, as we have seen countless blurbs from, whether it be from excerpts from Marin Fader's new book about Giannis um there were excerpt there were excerpts about kid in there that are just mind-numbing it's like how as a coach can you interact with and you hear stories before but be, it being in a book and other sources of reporting that have come out over the summer about kids coaching style it's just yeah. the only reason that the only 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 reason I could see this head coach star pairing working is because Jason sees the game in a way that is Luca sees the game in a way that only Jason Kidd could sort of relate to. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it's so weird. Like Jason Kidd. Yes. He's a terrible head coach. I think he's a wonderful assistant coach and it's because he's only, he's going to be able to only work with one or two players that see the game the same way. <laughs> Cause his role's condensed. That's why. Yeah. Cause he's, because you know, like he's a having, player specialist, having, then not a <laughs> yeah, having a basketball mind like Jason Kidd around your team is just valuable. Yeah, right? that's but, true. There, there is some truth to that. Yes, but like having him run the organization is clearly not the way to go. Yeah, r- running <laughs> whether it be running the organ, running the team, whatever. Like, yeah. it's then that's my main concern. They did add a lot of shooting around Luca. I also think we kind of underrated how this team was ravaged by COVID. Um, yeah. at one point uh, during the season last year, and they actually finished the season really strong. Like, they were one of the better teams in the NBA to close out the season. And uh, they're going to be a good team. And I think Luka is going to – at what like, this is the – I guess this is if you want to do, like, the bullshit Bill Simmons historical corollary here. Like, all the all-time great players, they make – the playoff round jump sooner than you expect right like yeah magic lebron bird jordan like eventually like luca is probably this might be the time for luca to break through and make it to the second round this year i mean he almost beat the clippers by himself twice and uh but i just question do they have enough ball handling beyond luca they definitely have enough shooting now they've gotten more shooting and they brought back Tim Hardaway Jr. But um, I have the Mavericks. This is all these questions. This is why I have the Mavericks as my seventh best team, the one or two pieces away team. Um, and then 
the Blazers. Um, I know they've had a turbulent offseason, to say the least. Um, Neil Olshay is still the GM somehow, which I don't get. Um, Chauncey Billups, I mean, I don't know what he is as a coach, but with all the allegations that were surrounding him and stuff and the fact that Olshay um, basically just sought him out with impunity and did no investigation like he allegedly told the public and all that stuff um that just it just feels icky and that was that was a turbulent way to start the season then the dame lillard stuff and then the free agent signings they made it was kind of like okay like they just improved the peripheries of the bench like okay but then they traded for larry nance jr which i actually think is a really significant pickup um mainly because the Blazers need defense. Larry Nance Jr. is a good defender. The problem with Larry Nance Jr. is he just needs to stay on the court. He hasn't been healthy for the Cavs the last two years, but when he's been on the court, he's been one of the Cavs' best playmakers because he can really pass the ball, especially from the elbows. And that's going to be perfect with Damon C.J. McCollum. But also, he's a really good defender. He's a good help side communicator. He is a decent rim protector with his athleticism, and he can you know, he can guard one through four. Um, obviously, fives notwithstanding if fives are his size, obviously. But yeah. Did the but he's Blaz- a high-energy guy. That he, he's yeah. Just a, he's just he's, a good locker room he's presence. Just, he's a good locker room presence. He's a good dude. Um, he's a good, he's a good solid player, and I think the Blazers needed playmaking and defense in the worst way, and they actually addressed that a little bit with the Nance signing. I actually, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a clear starter for them. Um, yeah. And, you know, look, this Blazers team is still good. Like, they have the – well, okay, let me – they are good relative to the Western Conference, I guess, in terms of, like, they could score with anybody. They have a Tier 1 franchise player. They have a borderline all-star player in C.J. McCollum. Um, Just the problem with the Blazers has always been, is a three-guard lineup really going to work? Because Norm Powell's back now. Yeah, they re-signed him. Um, I actually think there's a few trade candidates on the Blazers, but um, I actually the Blazers kind of rebounded because I thought they were one of the big losers of the off season. Now I think they're, I still think they didn't win the off season, but they're definitely not on my big losers list anymore. Um, but they still have Dame Lillard, and that's the common denominator as to why I have the Blazers as the eighth best team. Um, in tier well, three. I also have them. On, I have. I also have them on as my eighth best team. But now they're in my tier four. They're right behind the Warriors for all the same reasons that you're bringing up here. Okay. So, okay. So I have. So I have them. I have them in my tier four. But you know they're just right behind the Warriors here. Okay. So what is your tier four? Because my tier four is probably going to be different, just because this is my play-in teams. Yeah. So my my tier four are like my fringe playoff teams of like I they're pretty solid playoff bets, but like I wouldn't be surprised if like one of these other teams snuck in there. Mm-hmm. So there, so like my top, my, so, so just to reiterate, my top contenders, the Lakers, my second tier is the like secondary contenders, which are Nuggets, Suns, Jazz. Then I have my solid playoff teams that can play spoiler that are the Clippers and the Mavs. And then I have my, uh, my like remaining playoff teams, which is Warriors Blazers. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll go to my tier four. Which yeah, is the play-in. Yeah, yeah, the play-in teams. I think this is... I think this is a 
good chance for the Sacramento Kings to make the play in. And here's okay. wh- here's why. The night doing like a little radio teaser or whatever. Um so the Sacramento Kings last year, I, there's look, I have all the questions in the world about Luke Walton as a head coach. <laughs> I, I really I really do. Like it's I can't express to you how some of my Kings fans, friends, my friends who are Kings fans, um, felt when Monty McNair said after the season was over that he was going to keep Luke Walton as the head coach. There was a lot of collective groaning in Sacramento. But roster-wise, and if you're looking at the other teams that are competing for the play-in, I actually think the Kings top to bottom have a way more solid roster than the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. And yes, I know the Grizzlies are everybody's the Grizzlies have every draft nerd's favorite fucking prospect over the last 3 years on that team um and stuff like that. But if you're talking about talent, they got top-end talent with De'Aaron Fox. I he, I I really do think this is the year where De'Aaron Fox if he hadn't put his name on the radars of the broader NBA fan base already, He's really going to stamp his name in there. He's bigger. He fin- He had an all-time great uh, season in terms of finishing around the rim, um, which was an area that he improved marketably from the previous year. Still needs to shoot. Still needs to be a better shooter. Um, he had that one anomaly year in 2018-19, um, but he hasn't really been at league average since. He needs to get back to that level, but... I think De'Aaron Fox is ready to take the leap. The Kings have a dearth of guards where even if Buddy Heald does get moved at some point, they still have Terrence Davis. They still have Davion Mitchell. They still have Tyrese Halliburton. Like, they have options to go to. And also, (laughs) they had one of the worst defenses in NBA history last year. There's nowhere to go but up, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like they they, uh, re-signed Rashawn Holmes. They signed Tristan Thompson, who, not going to lie, I questioned the signing a lot when it first happened, especially because they hadn't re-signed Rashawn at that point. So it was like, okay, is Rashawn like, not coming back to Sacramento? But he ended up back. But Tristan Thompson provides great depth in terms of backup center play, small ball, smaller lineups. He can switch one through four, although Celtics fans would like to, uh, you know, contest that after the season he had last year. Um they, I like that they drafted Davion Mitchell. They had a focus this year on defense. My thing with the Kings this year, they cannot finish outside the top 10 in pace. It is unacceptable. Like, it is absolutely unacceptable. And this is like sort of reporter living in Sacramento, seeing all these Kings games, Jordan coming out here. Like, when Dave Yeager was the coach of the Kings in 2018-19, the Kings were like top three in pace, with which is – a good thing because De'Aaron Fox is one of the faster players in the NBA. Luke Walton has been outside the top 10 in both years. He's been a head coach for the uh, Sacramento Kings. And if he's not going to have a creative offense, he has to at least play faster. And I think one of the biggest parts of playing fast is to get stops. And I think the Kings addressed that this year. They're not going to be a world beater defensively, but I think they are going, I think they have enough, talent on the roster to beat out all these other teams even if the pelicans have better top end talent with zion and brandon ingram i like the fit of this king's roster better i like the uh i like the players from 
you know, players four through ten better than the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. And they have the prerequisite talent on the top end to round out into a solid play-in team. So this is it for the Kings this year. They have to make the play-in. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So my pl- – my, Oh, and then I have the Pelicans and Grizzlies, but I guess we're going to talk about those as we go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much to say about the Pelicans and Grizzlies. We haven't said – they've been the same team for the last couple of years now. The – uh, the thing that I I have the same tier here for my play-in teams. I have the Kings. Uh, I have Grizzlies first. I have Kings second. I have Pelicans third. And then I have the Spurs in this weird ground where I could see them being in the playoff conversation or playing conversation. And I could also see them fighting for the lottery. I could see them go either way here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have I have the same sort of basic lineups and thoughts. I I to me. I have the Pelicans dangerously close to this lottery area as well, mm-hmm. but because, because Zion and Ingram, I don't think that they'll let them get that far down. Um, but Zion I, I said do... he'll be ready for a game one of the regular season because apparently he had surgery on to on a right foot fracture over the yeah, summer, according to David it. Griffin today, that nobody knew about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, well, who knows? I Boy needs to... Boy needs to lose some weight and maybe get some pressure off that foot. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of faith in in Zion and Brandon Ingram to at least make this team decent. Hopefully, there'll be um, some better spacing because Brandon Ingram was operating in a phone booth with. I mean, fucking dude, I, I still, I'm the most, the most what the fuck move to me of the entire off season is letting Lonzo walk and then trading for Devontae Graham. Because never, they whiffed on Kyle Lowry. I will never understand that. He gave up a pick, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They gave up a pick. <laughs> you let Lonzo walk for nothing to then trade a pick to get Devontae Graham. At least Devontae Graham can see David Griffin play a mean piano now. Bro, I it it's the most what the fuck move of the entire offseason to me and I just don't understand it. I'm telling you man, like <laughs> I remember when we started this podcast and we tiered the West last year and I remember going into that episode I was like, you know, I kind of like the Pelicans and then I thought about it more and I was I, like, I'm actually lukewarm on the fucking Pelicans. <laughs> like I don't like the Steven Adams move, the Eric Bledsoe move like I think I, this, will, I like this I, Pelicans team more just by virtue of those two guys not being yeah, on the Pelicans I will anymore. Give, I will give Griff a little credit for understanding that his moves last year didn't work and getting off of them immediately. That's the only iota of credit I have given Griff <laughs> this yes. summer. That is the only credit. Like, good job. Is- you got out of the bad moves that you shouldn't have made in the first damn play. Yes. <laughs> Which, again... I give him credit for because it's not easy to like. Oh no, it's not easy to admit when you're wrong. It's not. (laughs) No, I fucked up. But like, yo, the so yeah, I have the Pelicans here in this weird middle ground where I could see them fighting for lottery, but I could also see them, yo, maybe they can get this playing spot. Uh, I think the I think the Grizzlies and Kings are in kind of prime position here to kind of get into the play-in. And then I have the Spurs also in that same Pelican spot. I put the Pelicans a little bit ahead of the Spurs just because they have Brendan Ingram and Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, otherwise, I think I think it's pretty clear there. And then, uh, yeah, I have yeah, Kings, the- Pelicans, Grizzlies. That's how I ranked my play in tier. I have yeah, K- so I have, Kings, I have Pelicans, Grizzlies. Grizzlies. I, have, I have 
Grizzlies. Pel- I have Grizzlies Kings, so pretty much the same thing. Um, I, I have the Grizzlies. Let me. I want to talk about the Grizzlies real quick. The reason I don't have the Grizzlies higher because you know they won thirty eight games last year. They took the Jazz. Or they uh, the you know they took the Jazz to five games or whatever. Uh, John Morant had an incredible game one of that uh, uh in that series and all that stuff. I think the Grizz. One, the Grizzlies are going to lose a lot of shooting with uh, Grayson Allen. Um, he started on and off for the Grizzlies, mostly starting, but the Grizzlies need shooting in the worst way. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams last year. They lost shooting with Grayson Allen. And also, Jonas Valanciunas was their best player last year, and they don't have him anymore. And because you could just dump it, you could dump the ball down to Jonas, and he'll just you know, move people out of the way because he's such a bear on the low block. I really, he's an underrated player, Jonas. And um, he was their best player last year. He attacked the glass. He put rim pressure on the defense. You know, he wasn't the most depth of foot defensively and all that stuff. I agree with you, but my, my, my big savior here for my Grizzlies thing is I'm a huge Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. <laughs> yeah, if he could stay on, that was what I was gonna bring up. If he can stay so if healthy, he, if he is healthy. I think that the sky's the limit for what they can do because I have huge faith in him and his ability to play off jaw and their ability to grow together as a duo. And so, you know, there was a huge debate about, among you know draft people between Aiton and Jaron Jackson Jr. and you know, obviously, Jaron Jackson leans towards the analytical side because he's the, yeah. theoretically, he's the perfect modern stretch five. He could shoot. He could block shots on the other end. All I've he's seen from talent people. That's, that's what I was going to say. What I've seen from Jaron Jackson so far in his career, he can have hot quarters like the one against the. Uh, there was a game in the against the Bucks in twenty nineteen twenty where he had like twenty nine points in the third quarter. He can have some of those games, but he's been mostly injured. He fouls a fuck ton. And, you know, besides shooting the three-point the three point ball, what other offensive skills? He's not, like, a great post-up player. He's not a good playmaker. Like. I think he's a decent screen and roll threat. Yeah, but my thing is like he can't stay healthy. That's the main thing. Yeah. And I and I think it's no debate. I would take Aiton over Jaron Jackson oh, Jr. so far. That, like no, same. I, I think, think the, I think that debate's kind of over until Jackson yeah, can over. stay healthy, actually. Yeah, it's over. But I think I I still believe in the potential that he has and I like him still as a prospect. And also, uh, like Steven Adams might be cooked. And he's one of their highest play, paid players. He's still, that dude's still strong as fuck. He he is, but that's straight. Like what? This isn't a this isn't a Olympic weightlifting contest. Like, like he he. I would, still think he's one of the hardest dudes to move out of the paint. And like, if he wants a if he wants a yeah for rebound, for him and the other team for him and yeah. his own team. <laughs> like if he wants a fucking rebound, if he wants to box out, like you're not stopping him. Yeah, that's that's true, but that only provides so much value because now yeah. they they don't have the. They don't have the escape valve to dump the ball down to in the block because, you know, they're going to go under John Morant pick and rolls. Um, They're not going to pop out to Steven Adams. And all you have to do is just tag the roller. And look, it's easier said than done with that with Adams because he's a big body. But there's there's a lot of ways to limit a Steven Adams, John Morant pick and roll, you know, and you really have to rely on Jackson to be healthy. Yeah, I think. 
I think it all depends on Jaron Jackson and whether or not he stays healthy and what and what form he comes back in. Because I think that you know if you have Jaron Jackson, he provides a lot of spacing on the floor to be able to make Adams viable. But yeah. you know, it's a matter of whether or not he's healthy and like where he's at in terms of development and health. But that's but, the because this is my other question I'm going to ask you with Jaron Jackson. So is he going to be a four or a five? Because I see him as a four. I always saw him as a four. Okay, because that's the other. That was the other thing with him too. Is like he could. He's the perfect modern five. He's six eleven long, but he's he needs to get bigger. And also, like he's been playing a lot of four with Jonas and Stephen Adams. And I don't think you know if I had if there was a series with okay if it was like if they were playing the Jazz again, I'd be fine with Jaron Jackson Jr. as the five. But if they're playing Jokic or Anthony Davis or DeAndre Ayton, like. Jackson's going to get thrown into the rim. Like, as as good of defensive instincts as he has, he's going to get thrown under the basket by those guys. He didn't get cooked. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I like – I I liked – look, he Jackson is the definition. He fits the mold of our long boys arc, right? Like yeah. he, He's the quintessent. I just haven't seen – I just haven't seen him be fully healthy. And I haven't seen, like, the theoretical pop – in terms of his ceiling and upside that a lot of people touted when he was coming out of um, Michigan State. So, we'll see. I still have a lot of faith. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you that we haven't seen it, but I still have a lot of faith. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, – and then, yeah, my last three teams are just Timberwolves, Thunder, Rockets. We're not going to see shit. We're just going to see them. So, I actually have the Timberwolves in play-in game hunting at the top Ooh. of the list. Um, I have the Timberwolves, Spurs, and Thunder. That's my ranking for the play-in game hunting the spurs and thunders could easily be in the lottery but the reason i have the thunder in here is because of shea gilgis alexander because when he yeah. was playing last year i knew Good i was ball, i knew i was uh, going a little crazy when i had the thunder as a play-in team last year but when shea was in there the thunder were a play-in caliber team like but then of course you know he had the foot injury and then the thunder were like let's just tank so that's what happened the spurs ready rain of pokeshevsky <laughs> chef poku um the Spurs, they lost DeMar DeRozan, who, if people weren't paying attention in San Antonio last year, like, DeMar DeRozan was really, really, really fucking good. He's been really good since he's been a Spur. Um, that's going to be a big loss. Uh, and the Spurs just have a lot of young players now, and I just wonder how that's all going to play out. Um, but I have them playing game hunting. The Timberwolves, this is the year. This is the year. Carl Anthony Towns, he had a summer where he had his mind right finally. I can't imagine what he's been through over the last year and a half. Yeah. And I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for him to see all this anti-vax shit coming out from the NBA side of things also. Um, but he's been working out all summer. Um, a lot of Wolves reporters have talked about how good of shape he's in. And he actually, like... He Carl Anthony Towns looks like he's worked on his body a lot. Um, he's been historically durable, but the last two years he's not played a lot of games. Uh, but this is the year where stuff starts going together right, and the Timberwolves can finally pull in the right direction. The Garrison Rosas thing that came out of left field, that came out of nowhere, that shocked the hell out of me. I'm sure it shocked a lot of people, but <laughs> it just—it seems like. It's, but it seems like there was an understanding that Rosas had to go, 
and that this has been brewing for a few months, apparently. Um, not to mention all the other crazy stuff that was reported in that athletic story. Um, but in terms of players and talent, I really like this team top. I really like this team top down for a play in play in hunting. Now they have some flaws. They need a power forward desperately in the worst way, which is makes sense. that They're trying to go after Ben Simmons. Um, but I think this is the year where Carl Anthony towns finally gets back to where he was and he could finally start getting on that trajectory of establishing himself as a star player and one of the star I true he's the for me he's the Devin Booker of the big men and um it doesn't surprise me that Minnesota is wasting away a great transcendently talented big like we've seen in the past but I think this is the year where the Wolves finally start putting it together. I like Jaden McDaniels as a two-way talent. He was a steal in the 2020 draft. D'Angelo Russell, whether he comes off the bench or starts, at least he'll provide some offensive pop. I like the Pat Bev signing. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be a stud, like a star-level franchise guard. Um, and I just think the Wolves are going to take a step. So I have them as a playing game hunting type of team. Not gonna. I don't know if they'll make the play in or not. The Kings, Pelicans, and Grizzlies. I definitely like their situations more than the Timberwolves, but the Wolves have the best player out of all these bottom tier teams, and I think that alone gives them a shot. That's fair. I I I think that's fair. I think again, it's to me, it's just the dysfunction of the organization, everything that's happened. Man, and like it. There's just a lot of baggage around that team where i just don't i don't trust them to be anywhere all fair all fair man and historically speaking they're just gonna they're gonna score a lot of points but they're gonna give up a lot of points and they didn't do anything that's gonna change that (laughs) if i i did a video on this but if the wolves get ben simmons i would have them actually square in at the top of the uh, play in tier if the wolves manage to get ben simmons but also keep anthony edwards and obviously Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. I, I think that core solidifies them as the top play in team in the West easily, actually. But yeah. they, they don't have Ben Simmons, so that's why they are where they are right now. And then the Rockets, I mean, I'm going to have fun watching the Rockets, mm-hmm. actually. Score 50 points a game. Yeah, I'm going to watch Jalen Green and Michael – or not Michael Porter Jr. Um, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. killing each other for baskets. Um Alperun Shangun, our boy, post-up wizard, Turkish League MVP. Like, he's going to be a good player. The Rockets just have interesting, fun players. Um, They're going to suck, and I'm sure they're going to make a trade for John Wall. Actually, I don't even know who's going to trade for John Wall. Um, There's not – the Lakers aren't – the only contract you could trade Wall with is Westbrook, but – Westbrook that already happened and now Westbrook's with the Lakers um but the Rockets will be a they'll be fun in the um very very Diet Coke version way that the Hornets were last year obviously the Hornets were a lot more talented but just in terms of young players that I like on this team um same with the uh it's gonna be the same with the Pistons this year too so but they're squarely the last team in the West they they are not gonna be good yeah, I'm with you. No Rockets thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm again. It's just a thing. Of, I'm just. I, they're just going. Jalen Green's going to come out, try to score, 
50 points a game and and Christian Wood's going to try to get offensive rebounds and try to pad his own numbers and that's yeah, about Yeah, Christian it. Wood's going to take 10 threes a game. That's about it. Yeah, that's that's that is a uh, totally fair. But uh, yeah. those are those are my official tiers. The second annual BOB Western Conference tiers. Yep. Uh, I think uh, I think that's a solid list for both of us. I, we still have to go back and look at our list from last year, but I oh, I have I have my li- I have my list from last year actually. Where... I'll have to go. I'll have to go through that video and see where we rank them, and we'll we'll go through a review episode. Maybe after we rank these, we'll go through a review episode of what we were right and wrong about. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, well, that actually is a good. We should ha- we should do that episode before the season starts, uh, just yeah. to. Uh, recap just how bad are yeah i have both my western conference and eastern conference tier list from last season so we could definitely see who was uh we could definitely see who was uh you know who was wrong you know like we like we mentioned there's nothing wrong with admitting that you're wrong we could we'll be fine being the david griffins of this of the of the podcasting world (laughs) no we won't but we will at least admit when we're wrong yeah I am not looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to be recording a podcast with my good buddy, um, David Arroyo. And we're going to be talking about the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. So stay tuned for that. We're both Sixer fans, and we are definitely going to talk slash slander our favorite team. Um, <laughs> so so be ready for that. But uh, yeah. Interpreted three months later. It probably would have been better to do the Eastern. Not, I don't know if it would have been better to do the Eastern Conference today. It would have been more timely, I think. Even though the Sixers media day, everybody thought that this was going to be like a shit storm. It, it wasn't as bad as people, you know. Again, thought what, it was at this be. point, what more is there to say? There really isn't. Like I, I we're at the we were at the point in the Ben Simmons discourse in the off season, we were like on month three of Ben Simmons content. And we were getting to the point where people were like, here's my nuanced in all caps, nuanced discussion about Ben Simmons as if everybody else hasn't in the world, hasn't had a nuanced discussion about Ben Simmons. (laughs) Like, good job. You titled your podcast nuanced discussion. Cause we definitely know it's nuanced when you put it in the title. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, it, I'm, I'm so curious what's going to happen. We'll talk about Ben Simmons more when we talk about next week with the East. But, yes. man. Thank God. A, <laughs> ho- hopefully we get some news and hopefully we see what's up. But, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to sell soon. Uh, I think Daryl Morey's going to stone cold just wait. <laughs> he's just going to wait. He's, he's going to wait. I don't think he gives a fuck what anybody thinks. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see, though. But that's next week. We're not. We are not going to bring this energy into this podcast today. Yeah, it was a good, good episode. So let's leave it. <laughs> sounds good. All right, guys. So we'll be back next week, bringing bad energy with Ben Simmons and your <laughs> Eastern tier, your Eastern Conference tier list. But uh, we'll see you guys next week. The Bob, all the bad energy. Thank you.